0: Hello and welcome to Not-So-Molly Mormon Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back, you guys. This is Sarah.
0: And this is Katie. And
1: here we are again. (laughs) And there was a delay, an awkward pause, because Katie and I are awkward souls, so We're so
0: (laughs) awkward, but whatever, it's fine. If you've listened this long, then I think you might be used to it by now. I don't know. Um, Um... we have a very oh,
1: another special... awkward one, another awkward moment. That we um... just did um together. I think it's because we're both so excited and we can't contain our giddiness because we have a guest on the episode. And that's me being super excited. Because you know that we love having guests and we love recording episodes with guests because we get to learn so much. So today our special guest is should we do a little drum roll? Shalice! Oh my gosh, you guys cracked me up.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Oh my god, we're so excited to have Shalise on. We've been in contact via email for like a really months. long time now and it's finally happened. So we are so excited that you're here and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having
2: me. Like I said, I've listened to all of the episodes, and I just feel like you guys are my best friends already. And it's, like, so cool to actually be on the air with you live.
1: (laughs) This is why we do it. We just, like, people blowing smoke up our asses all day long. I know. When the call started, Sarah was like, tell me more. Tell me more about how great (laughs) I am funny because it's true uh, I'm just joking so Shalise, before we get into the episode I know we want to talk a little bit later on about your story but just give us a little because a little recap of where you're from what you do like I don't know that much about you I mean I've stalked your social media but like I don't know <laughs> that much about you so maybe just tell me and Katie and everyone who's listening a little bit about yourself
2: Yeah. So just a little backstory. I was born and raised in Utah, um, up in Tremont. I don't know if you guys even know where that is.
0: Oh, (laughs) I've heard of it, but I don't think I've ever been there.
2: Yeah, it's past Brigham. It's way up north, like really close to Idaho. So most (laughs) people are like, oh, I know Tremont and I stop and get gas there before I go to Idaho. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) it's
1: like really small.
2: Wow. Yeah. So I grew up there and I come from a very long line of Mormons, like we're like the OG Mormons for sure. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, I even did my genealogy stuff, or not my genealogy, what is it? Those DNA tests, and it even came back like Mountain West pioneers, like oh my it's god, deep in my blood. Yeah,
1: oh <laughs> man, girl, you got the good Mormon blood. Like, I yeah. never had that stuff, and I was judged. Everyone was like, oh, you don't have pioneer ancestors. <laughs> I don't want to even be friends with you. You weren't as worthy, Sarah. (laughs) I was not.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I, um, long line of Mormons, you know, mom's mom, her mom, her mom, like all the way back. So it's just kind of all that we knew. And um, I actually moved to Portland my senior year of high school, and that's when the blinders kind of came off, and I was like, there's a world out here. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, so exciting. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was exciting, but also, like, I did everything in my power not to be considered the weird one because all of a sudden I went from being cool, like, a cool Mormon, to, oh, my gosh, she's Mormon from Utah. And I
0: was like, ah, don't put me in that box. Like, I swear I'm normal. <laughs> It's like kind of like reverse culture shock, but on yourself. Like, I'm not that weird Mormon, don't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, it was
2: a definite change of pace and a crazy experience. And, you know, people start asking questions. All of a sudden, I'm not prepared to answer because no one's ever asked me questions about what it means to be Mormon. And so, you know, like at first I got super strong in my testimony. I was like, Oh, I'm spreading the the Lord's word <laughs> <laughs> I was like super pumped. And I remember I was even invited to this like Christian church camp and it was one of those camps where they have like crazy activity. Like it would put young women's camp to shame.
0: Like,
2: yeah, like amazing things. And I was invited. I was like, Mom, I don't know what to tell them because I'm obviously not interested in their religion. And she was like, well, do you think it would be smart for you to go? And I remember this conversation so well in the car. I was like, well, listen, Mom, we believe that everything may believe, but we also just believe extra. And so I'm (laughs) never going to forget the extra that I believe because, you know, Like, I know that it's true. (laughs) She's like, you're so right,
0: Shalief. Oh, my God. such a relatable, like, little teenage Mormon thing to say. I bet I said something similar at some point in my life. Like, that is so relatable.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Completely. Or I could imagine myself being like, I'm going to see this as a a missionary opportunity. (laughs) I'm going to go to this camp. And I'm going to, like, the Lord is directing me there, so I'm going to convert and bring the light of the gospel to everyone there. Like, this is why.
2: Yes. And it's just funny because I was just so adamant I was like no like I know and we're taught to believe that we that Mormons I don't say weeks; we're not anymore that Mormons are Christians and so when people ask questions like what do Mormons believe I'm like everything that you do but we also have the book of Mormon and come to find out that's just not the case at all
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we didn't know that so we were just like oh yeah let me just introduce you to another book that you're gonna love <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, so true. Uh, Yeah, yeah.
2: and so all of this came down to uh, this moment in my car, and it's so funny. Um, My best friend at the time, she came from a long line of Christians, like pastors and all of that, and she went and did all this research in the library about Mormons, and she had written stuff down in notebooks, like, taken all of these notes, and she sat me down in the car, and she was like, I need to talk to you. And she had this, like, religious intervention with me. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and, she, yeah, and she was like, if you don't believe that, that Jesus is your father, you're going to go to hell. And, like, going on and on about, like, the Christian side of things because we believe something totally different. And she was like, and you worship Joseph Smith. And he put his head in a hat. And I'm like, no, none of that happened. I would know. I'm a Mormon. <laughs>
1: Because we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there. Because when I they like exactly like friends would bring that up to me and I'd be like, No, that's just anti Mormon literature that you're reading. Yes. None of that is true. Like, no, you're it's all like just you know, people trying to attack the Mormon church. And then when I left, I was like, Oh god, I feel like I need to call up every one of these people. I feel like I'm really sorry. You're right. Um, J-Dog was looking in a hat.
2: (laughs) I really should go back and, like, say what's up to this girl because she didn't want to be friends with me after that. Like, she kind of disowned me when I was like, no, that's not the case. And, you know, I'm sorry I don't believe what you believe, but I still love you. And, like, I was trying to be really, I don't know, diplomatic about it, but she just wasn't having it. And I think there may have been pressure from her parents to be like, you can't hang out with this chick. She's, like, in a cult, you know?
0: yeah that's also I mean I see their side but that's also shitty of her like I could just imagine being that age and my best friend saying if you don't believe in Jesus the way that I do you're gonna go to hell I'd be like can you kindly fuck off like (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) and, and not to mention like
2: I moved there my senior year of high school so I didn't have very many friends like people knew me as the new girl and I had that like fun little popular few months where everyone's like oh the new girl but then after that faded I was like well now what like I don't really know anybody and (laughs) so we became really good friends and then she just kind of outed me and I was like oh what do I do now But so that was like the first time I went down the rabbit hole, because I went to my computer to prove her wrong. And I was like, she's wrong. And I'm just gonna like find actual sources to tell her, like, sorry, what you read was not true. And then I started finding all these other things that were true. I was like, hold on, wait a second. And I remember, uh, I called my mom over to the computer. It was like, probably midnight or something. And she's like, go to bed. and I'm like, okay, but first look at this, you will not believe what I found on this anti-Mormon site (laughs) and I was like they are saying that there is this temple practice where you like slit your throat and you slit your bowels if you say anything about the temple I'm like that's hilarious like that's not true right and Uh I look over at her and her face is like white and she's just (sighs) staring at me and I was like that's not true right and she didn't know what to do because I just put her in the worst position in the world. Like, does she tell me what goes on in the temple and risk her salvation because she tells me what goes on in the temple? Or does she lie to me? Oh, and she oh just, my God. Yeah. And she just kind of stared at me. And she's like, um, well, they don't do that anymore. And I about lost it. Like, it felt like she just told me I was adopted in that moment. I was like, oh, you know that? that." Yeah wrenching feeling where I was just like what in the are you serious like I felt like I was just in the wrong religion I'm like this can't be true like it was so funny to me and then when she said
0: that I was just like what yeah especially like that you probably knew then at that point that your mom had participated in that right the temple and like even, and you know, you're always told like that God is always and forever and unchanging, and so then it's like also mm-hmm. the why did it change thing, but also way more creepy is the slitting of the throat thing. Like, yes. oh, oh man,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was mortified, but you know, she she talked to me down a little bit. She's like, yeah, but the temple is a very loving place and they don't do that anymore, and I was just kind of like, okay, like, I guess I'll just, and, you know, she's my mom, and I was really close with her, and so. I just trusted her opinion. I was like, okay, I guess that's just what we do.
1: Or, you know? Shit, oh that would have been like, if I would have found out at, at such a young age, something like that, I mean, it would have really, really fucked with my head, especially as an 18 year old, like 17, 18. Yeah. That was right before I went to BYU. So I'd have been like, Ugh. because I mean, my mom, like, she went through the temple and she wore garments growing up. But it was just something we never, ever talked about. Like, the temple just wasn't talked about in our home or her garments. Like, it was just always, like, she wears those weird things and she wears a <laughs> brawl over it. But that's all I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's bizarre. So I just kind of always assumed. And because in in the South, like, you don't go to the temple that often because they're so far away. Like, I just oh, remember my mom would go to the temple, like, once a year to Atlanta And that was it. But it was just not talked about. So I just find it really interesting when I guess like both you and Katie as well, like your parents were quite active in the temple, I'm assuming, or like doing temple work. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Or like talking about it.
2: My parents didn't really go that often. I mean, as much as we went to church and my mom was super involved, like she was always the president of something and like throwing all the parties and doing all the stuff, Like, she wasn't huge into going to the temple, and I don't know, it's probably just because she didn't have time, because they kept her way too busy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But the funny thing is, actually, when we got to Portland, um, we had a bishop that was super strict, and my mom wasn't used to that, because we came from someone really cool. And so, my mom drank coffee for digestion, like, she needed it every morning, or else she had major issues. and. I remember she told me, like, yeah, he won't give me a temple recommend because I drink coffee. And I was like, what?
0: What a dick.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, he was that serious about it. And then she, I love her. This is what she did. So she's in in the interview. And she was like, so you're telling me I can't go to the temple because I drink coffee? And he's like, yeah, it's just, it's against the word of wisdom. And she pulls out this bottle of, like, oxy or something because she just had back surgery. And she's like, but these are fine. (gasps) <gasps> and he was like, yeah, and he was like, well, yeah. And she was like, I could literally die from these, and I could get addicted to these and become a drug addict, but I can take these and get and go to the temple.
0: <laughs> oh, she's a badass. Um, yeah, yeah she's
2: all in. And here's the funny thing. He goes, you know what? You're right. You can have a temple recommend. And she told me she was more pissed off that he gave in because that just confirmed that she can go against the word of wisdom and still get a temple recommend. And it's all based on whoever is talking to you at the moment.
1: Seriously. (laughs) It has nothing to do with God.
0: And she can question priesthood leaders and still get it. Yeah. It it goes against everything you're taught, but oh my God.
2: (laughs) She's like, I was more pissed off that he ended up giving it to me after that whole discussion of him saying I couldn't have it because it was against the word of wisdom.
1: (laughs) Wow.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, yeah, after that, I, I didn't want to go back to Utah because I had had the taste of the world, the worldly thing. (laughs) And I was like, why go back to Utah? And then I was like, well, I don't want to stay in Portland because I don't have friends anymore. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) and so I moved to Vegas for school and I did fashion design out there. Um, and you know, like there's so many Mormons in Vegas, people don't realize there's like more Mormons in Vegas than Utah. So I had a grand old time. I actually loved living there.
1: <laughs> I actually, I found that out, like, I think, oh, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. Like, I have a friend who's very active in the Mormon church, and she's from Vegas, and I remember being like, oh, that's weird. And then at BYU, going to Vegas a few times and, like, going to Mormon church out there, like, knowing that the temple was just not that far from the Strip. It's just the weird... Yeah. Mental, like not mentality, but it's just weird to think that, like, you know, Vegas is considered like the party city in the US, but it's also mm-hmm. really Mormon. Like, a lot yeah. of Mormons are there.
2: I remember having this thought of, like, well, it makes total sense that there's tons of Mormons in Vegas because we need to balance the sin.
1: <laughs> oh my God. <gosh. laughs> oh, you guys. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I feel like that needs to be a t-shirt. So
0: many Mm -hmm. Mormons in Vegas to balance the sin. We could sell those in Vegas. That would be (laughs) genius. That's so good. Uh,
2: Yes. I was like, I was the most spiritual I ever was when I lived in Vegas, which is so funny. Because I even worked uh, at a hotel in a string bikini on Sundays. But check this out. So... I worked at Hard Rock Hotel at rehab. It was like a reality show is out of control. Crazy. And I was like a lifeguard. And I would on my way, like I would leave as soon as I could change out of my swimming suit as I was driving into my dress and take out my second ear piercing and go to the last hour of church.
1: (laughs) No way.
2: (laughs) I would. I was so for I was like, I can't miss church. And I was already sinning because I was working on Sunday. But I had to work on Sunday, because that's the day that the reality show filmed. And it was like the biggest day and the biggest tips. And I just didn't have a choice. And so, um, yeah, so I would go to the last hour of church and be like, I'm here.
1: (laughs) That is dedication. I am impressed. Yeah, I was I was all in. So, yeah, like, i go way into- more Mormon than me. Like, I, I, Katie, I don't know if you remember this, but at BYU, I think that's when I was 18 or 19, I got a job at Victoria's Secret and I was, obsessed.
0: I remember, I totally remember this because I was obsessed about you getting that job. Like, I was, obsessed, I, yes. I was
1: so obsessed. But you guys, I quit after like three or four days because I was yes. like, it, you have to work on Sundays and oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't work on a Sunday. And I was so gutted because I love that store and that job. Like I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to be like a Victoria Secrets angel, but not really. Cause I'm just selling the bras, but in my head I am. <laughs> well, you're better um, than
2: me then. Cause I still went to I mean, I always, I think, secretly or subconsciously had one foot out the door because I still wore shorts. I was like, I'm living in Vegas. I'm not going to wear, like, down-to-my-knee shorts. I'm just not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I still was, like, subconsciously out, even though I was like, this is the one true church. (laughs) Like,
0: going through the motions. Like, I'm still going to church. Like, I'm still a good person. And then I can go wear a bikini at work, and it's fine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, modesty was, like, the only thing that – I really sinned, I guess you could say and like working on Sunday because I still have never drank alcohol like it's just never been a thing <laughs> um, and I never smoked and I was still a virgin so I was like I'm an angel but I like to wear shorts <laughs>
1: <laughs> you you
2: <sin>. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and I'll get into like more of why I left in a little bit but after Vegas I did a study abroad in London and then when I came back, within two weeks, I moved to California and started this wild, crazy ride of acting and costume design for film and TV and commercials. And so that's pretty much what I do now is like, I'm in the entertainment industry.
1: Ah, cool. cool. That's an exciting. I mean, I know that it's a ton of hard work and everyone that I'm sure you talk to that you like tell the story. We're all like, Oh my God, that's so cool. But there's a lot (laughs) of hustle and it's hard work. So I'm sure you're like, yeah, it's a lot more than just it's cool. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely. An hotel. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I mean just being in LA, I just have so many wild stories and it's like this
0: place is nuts, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Um, so I guess did you want I think you said you had a talk you were going to share with us? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, so excited. Which,
2: first of all, I just have to say, like, I think I've learned more from you two's Sunday school than I ever learned as a Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel so good. <laughs> yes, like, you guys are so amazing. So I, I left the church, like, 10 years ago, but since I'm, like, writing a book now about my life, like a teaching memoir and about leaving Mormonism and all that, I'm like, I should learn more about the church and, like, you know... It only took me a few things to leave. I was like, yeah, I'm out. But so I've been listening to your podcast. And I'm like, I used to believe that. I used to believe that. And I've been like mind blown for the past five
0: months. I'm like, what? I love that so much because that's one of my favorite moments. Like when we're recording and there will just be a pause and Sarah will go, you guys, I fucking believe this shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I love that there are other people out there that are like, I believe that. What? Yeah. I know. It
1: wasn't until like Katie and I started this podcast and she started like educating me on all this shit that I had (laughs) no idea because I left for like very specific reasons, but I didn't know any of the stuff. until she'd be like, Oh, this week, do you want to talk about this? And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. She's like, don't (laughs) research it. I'm going to tell you on the show. And then I can't even stop thinking about it afterwards. And then I have to tell everyone I'm like, you guys i used to believe in this religion and let me tell you <laughs> one of these crazy stories about part like it's like part of the doctrine you know yeah it's weird shit
2: <laughs> i'm telling you like the episode on brigham young i legit took notes i was like what 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 and i called my mom right after and i was like let me tell you <laughs> yay <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. Rick, yeah.
0: young. Terrible. He's the worst yeah. human.
2: And so I wanted to talk about worthiness because that was like the huge reason that got me looking into the church history, like really trying to prove it wrong. Because I was just shamed so hard that I was like, this better be for a good reason. And so <clears throat> because you guys always have awesome research, I was like, I should research what the church actually says on being worthy. I pulled Congrats. this up like this morning <laughs> And it blew my mind. I was like, wow, because I had all these assumptions about, you know, the church says you need to work to be worthy or you need to do A, B, and C to be worthy. But I had no idea how deep they actually went on worthiness. So I found this talk and I'm just going to like tell you guys some of the quotes and just wait. Okay. So, (laughs) oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy. So this is on the official Church website. It's a talk by Marvin J. Ashton and I couldn't find like a date or when he said it or whatever, but this is what he says. So he starts off by telling a story about how he spoke to multiple people, like a 20-year-old man who wants to go on a mission and says, "I want to go, but I'm not worthy." And then he asks him, <clears throat> he asks him, "Well, who says you're not worthy?" Well, I did. And then a young woman contemplating temple marriage. I want to get married in the temple, but I'm not worthy. Well, who says you're not worthy? I say I'm not worthy. A mother who wanted to see her daughter married in the temple, who says you're not worthy to go? Well, I say I'm not worthy to go. And this is his response. Each of these people seem to have made his own determination about worthiness. We do not have to be hindered by self-judgment. All of us have the benefit and added wisdom of a bishop and a stake president to help us determine our worthiness. And, if necessary, to assist us to begin the process of becoming worthy to accomplish whatever goal we wish to achieve. So, already, he's saying, you don't have the power to say if you're worthy or not. You have to give that power to somebody else. Oh and I it was not okay with that. I was like, you're already telling people that they're powerless.
0: Yeah. It's all about what the leader deems you if you are
1: worthy or unworthy. And that's Which is that. always a man. It's oh, I just want man. to point that
2: out. Yeah. And who are these men to say, like my mom's bishop saying, "Well, you're not worthy because you drink coffee." Well, okay, you are. Like what? Right. There's no consistency. First of all. No. no. So, so then he continues on. Elder Joseph Fielding Smith offers this counsel: Salvation does not come all at once. We are commanded to be perfect, even as our Father in heaven is perfect. It will take us ages to accomplish this end, for there we will be greater progress beyond the grave, and it will be there that the faithful will overcome all things and receive all things, even the fullness of the Father's glory. I believe the Lord meant just what he said, that we should be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect.
0: Okay, (laughs) how about an impossible bar? (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, like, no pressure. I can't even,
1: like, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean... I know that we've,
2: or I say we, as if I'm like part of your show, (laughs) I know that you have talked about being perfect and how the church puts these impossible standards, but I didn't realize that they literally say we are commanded to be perfect. Like,
0: yeah, I didn't realize that either. I, I think I've always more referenced that as like a cultural thing. But I'm glad that you brought that up from a literal prophet saying, yes. we are commanded to be perfect. Like, I guess yeah. that's where that idea comes from. And that's not okay. Yeah.
2: And that's so crazy, because we're just like, okay, first of all, we have to work for it. And they're like, you won't even accomplish it. They literally say, it will go beyond the grave. So like, you, if you're just destined for a lifetime of struggling to be perfect oh, you know that
0: you will never reach it <laughs> oh it's so like evil I mean I don't really believe in anything like that word like evil like yeah. Satan or whatever but it's just like that's just like like you said setting people up to fail and be sad and miserable because they're yeah. not perfect
1: But it also sets up, you know, it it creates this cult because you're dependent on others to achieve this unachievable goal and to feel like you're worthy, which, again, you never feel like you're worthy when you're in the Mormon church, but you can't do it on your own. It's not Mm -hmm. even just about like the grace of God, but you have to literally you depend on the leaders of this organization to get there.
2: Exactly. And that's one thing that I started learning through my teenage years, too, was we're the one religion that's like, you know, you're not just saved because Jesus sacrificed himself. Right. It's like you have to do all these things to be saved. And other religions are like, well, you're just saved by the grace of God because you're you.
1: Wait, Shlice, I think you're referring to the scripture faith without work is dead. (laughs) Oh, with her scripture
0: mastery coming Boom. in. The home.
1: I did. I, um yeah, I was a really good seminary student. So. Oh
2: my gosh. That's one thing I was not. When I moved to Portland, like you said, you had to go early in the morning. Yeah. I looked at my mom. I was like, mom, she's like, you don't have to go. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could not do that. Um. Okay. So then he keeps going. If we are in the keeping of angels, God is certainly telling us that we are worthy to be watched over, helped, and directed by him. As we become aware of God's watch care, and as we turn to church leaders to help us to learn how to become worthy members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we learn that we can reach the status of worthiness. Sorry, there's a a siren. Hollywood! Hollywood!
0: Um, oh, I you. thought that was my
1: apartment for a no, second. No, it's mine. <laughs> it's
0: funny. I was just about to be like, which one of you?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's me. There's like always sirens in Hollywood. Um, okay, so we have to turn to, turn to the church leaders to help us. We learn that we can reach the status of worthiness for each goal along life's path. Yet we must strive for worthiness. So again, it's saying, okay we're worthy if we do all of these things and we're if we do all of these things we can be watched over helped and directed but we have to turn to the church leaders to tell us how to do that and they're go- they're going to be the ones to say yes you're worthy or no you're not and it's they also call it a status worthiness is a status
0: ew wow <clears throat> and it's stripping away all of your like self power and self government yeah yeah, yeah. It's It's just,
2: yeah, okay, so then it goes, um, let's see, in official declaration two accepted by the church on September 30th, 1978, we are reminded that certain privileges have worthiness as a prerequisite. (sighs) In this official declaration, the word worthy or worthiness is used six times. This leaves little doubt as to the importance of being worthy If specific blessings are to be available to us.
0: Oh, I hate that so much. I hate everything about this. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I'm just clamoring home, like that you are not worthy, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, unless we say so. (laughs) Right.
2: And you can't have blessings unless you're worthy. So, how's that for pressure? God. (laughs) So um, he continues on and says, As we said in the beginning, it is a wonderful strength and a needful process to be able to go to a bishop or a stake president and discuss our worthiness. During such interviews, it may be determined how worthiness can be achieved if there is a need for improvement. Again, putting all of the power into someone's hands and saying it's a wonderful strength. Like it takes courage and you are the worthy of the most worthy if you have the ability to go and confess your sins with this creepy old man. (laughs) I
1: hate it. I hate it too. And it's just like, it's making me so pissed off because I feel like you work so hard once you leave the church to get out of this way of thinking. And it's so much effort because it's so brainwashing where you're constantly, you don't ever think that you're good enough for anything. And it's, it stems from this We're, you know, we were raised in a religion where you had to have these interviews of quote-unquote worthiness. And you're always being compared to this level of worthiness and your status. And it's like, I sinned today, so I'm not worthy of the sacrament. I sinned, you know, an extra bad sin. So now I have to, like, repent and not partake of the sacrament for a few weeks. And, like, maybe I'm not worthy to go to the temple anymore. It's just so deeply ingrained in how we view ourselves after you know once in the church but even after you leave it's it's uh it's an ongoing process to undo and unravel that way of thinking that your worthiness is connected to anything outside of your own thinking and yourself like yeah. yeah you know
2: yeah it's so damaging <clears throat> and I only recently figured out that I had that programmed belief of worthiness because When I was working with my editor for my book proposal, she pointed out, she was like, don't you think it's interesting that you found yourself in all of these really toxic relationships with men after leaving the church? Do you feel like you were maybe trying to fill a void of like a bishop telling you what to do and who to be? And I was like, whoa, it blew my mind. That is deep.
0: I feel that.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that's probably true because I grew up in this abusive, toxic relationship with Bishop since I was 12, since age of puberty. Right. And so I created this belief that the men in my life needed to put me down or treat me a certain way, treat me horribly, really, even though they're doing it in love. That's what or they think they are. That's what my program belief of love was like, oh, if someone loves me they put me down and they use me and they abuse me and they, you know, it's like a toxic relationship. And you'll Whoa. do whatever
0: it takes to like get their approval. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because like you said, they are the ones that give you your worthiness. You aren't just inherently mm-hmm. worthy, which makes me want to cry saying that. Cause that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. And this is the last quote. And then I'll go into my experience with it. Um, Further, it says, This is an actual scripture, by the way. DNC. So the made up one. Well, they're all made up, but it goes <laughs> He that will not bear chastisement is not worthy of the Lord's kingdom. DNC 136:31. And it says, Sometimes there is a great need for us to be chastised, disciplined, and corrected in a spirit of love, help, and hope. So he's just preparing you, saying, yeah, you're going to go in and you're going to be disciplined and chastised. And there's a need for that. So just prepare. That's part of it. And if you're not chastised, if you're not interested in being chastised, you're not worthy of the Lord's kingdom. Like, uh, how abusive
0: is that? It's so abusive. I don't want to go to that kingdom. Uh uh-huh. uh <laughs>
2: I know it's like I don't I can't think of a more toxic situation like if you're not willing to be beaten down you're not worthy of heaven what What?
1: but you know what like I so many Mormon guys take that scripture and they run with it because I (laughs) have so many experiences with Mormon guys feeling the need to chastise me and let me know how I can be more righteous and worthy and then if I did get upset for just a second, you know, because it's reasonable to be upset with right. some of the comments it was Like, you know, you learn and you grow from from people like with from worthy priesthood holders who are just guiding mm. the flock and you're in the flock and I'm just trying to make sure that you're on the right path and you know, it's not just because I want to, to hurt you. It's just that I think it's righteous judgment and chastisement like what? that is. Yeah.
2: Oh, my gosh. I would have lost it. I, know. I would have lost it if someone said that to me.
1: But oh I was just God. so brainwashed at that time. And because my self-esteem and, worthy, you know, quote, unquote, mm-hmm. worthiness was just gone at that point. Like, I had nothing from years of being told I wasn't good enough that I was just kind of like, oh, you're right. Okay. Yep. You're right. Let me go home and repent and uh, try again. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow.
2: Yeah, I mean, I totally relate to that, and that's like—I'll get into my my the ending of my story, my liberation, if you will. Um, <laughs> so. I was 20 years old. I was a virgin at the time, which I thought was a huge freaking accomplishment because this girl had a sex drive, has a sex drive. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a saint for waiting this long because the opportunity that I've had. Um, So I'm with this guy. I've been with him for about a year now and I'm like head over heels and like, oh my gosh, I'm going to marry him. You know, like I was down to marry him, super young, of course. And we're in the singles ward together and we mess up, right? So oral sex, woohoo, like big deal. And of course he's the one that like wanted it to happen, right? And I was like, Maybe we shouldn't no, it's fine, it's fine. So again, he's he right after he's like, Oh, I think we should go tell the bishop and I'm like, You're oh, the one God. that wanted to do this, like and now it's my fault and he's like in shame and again, he's going through all of this guilt, too, that they put on the men, probably more so than the women about, like, the whole sex thing, and so I'm, like, okay, we'll go talk to the bishop, so I go in, head held low, like, really ashamed, and talk about the most awkward conversation I've ever had, because I didn't really do anything up to this point, like, I didn't really have much to confess, and so this is the first awkward sexual conversation I've had with a complete stranger, like, judging me.
0: Can I just pop in for one second? Yeah, pop on I in. Tell, I need to just reiterate this because I'm just over here fuming. But I want to reiterate for people, maybe if you've never been Mormon, Shalise was a grown ass woman who <laughs> merely had oral sex with her committed boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And she felt like she had to go because of this religion into this closed room with an older man and tell him about it. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god.
1: And yeah. and her boyfriend, the one who initiated oral sex and can I mean you you made your choice, but let's yeah. let's just say he convinced you of this. Like is the one that's like, "Oh, yeah, you we need to <laughs> repent now." Like yeah. guilt-tripping yeah. you and being manipulative. It's like, "Okay."
2: Yeah, and the thing is, like, at the time, I was so involved that I was like, you know what, you're right, we should repent, like, let's get clean, you know, because we both wanted to be married in the temple, and we're like, yeah, let's, okay, let's do this. So I have this conversation with him, and it was so awkward, and I was probably, like, just sweating bullets, and I get done, and he was like, okay, so I appreciate you telling me, and we'll just uh, mark it down here that... You can't go to the temple for a year. And my <gasps> jaw dropped. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. A year? That's the same amount of time as if I had sex. And he was like, yeah, but oral sex is sex. I'm like, okay, but it isn't. <laughs> <sighs> it, I was it. so mad because I'm like, I should have just had sex then if it's the same punishment, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was so angry. And and then it's like he was looking at his book like he had written down <clears throat> the sins and decided like how long each one should be. And so I said, you know, aren't you supposed to pray about it? <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, because <laughs> that's what that's what they're supposed to do. Right. Like he is the direct line to God. I don't have that privilege. So I go to him. I tell him he goes to God and says, hey, big guy, what's her sentence supposed to be? And he comes <laughs> back and says, like, this is what God thinks that you should do. Right. That's what right. we're told. Right. And so I questioned it. And he was like, are you questioning my authority? And I was like, oh. well, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my, my God. God. Yeah, I was like, yes, because I thought that you were supposed to ask God what, what's an appropriate sentence for me specifically, not just what you have written down in your book, like a blanket penalty for everyone who walks in here. And he, yeah, and he got really pissed off, like really defensive. So now I'm having like a heated argument with this 40 year old man and feeling like attacked, and I'm attacked in the most vulnerable position because I right. just told him about my sex life. And now he's coming at me, like, with his perceived authority. And I'm just, like, not having it. But also feeling kind of afraid because I'm, like, yeah. a young woman in his office.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so, you know, at the end of the day, oh, 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 get this. And I only learned, like, a few months ago that this was a thing back in, like, the 80s. He goes, yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same penalty because oral sex is completely unnatural. It's found oh. nowhere in the Bible and it, it's just wrong. Oh
0: my God. I know that's that was like so crazy. Because I know that that's what they taught in the 80s, yes. but I feel like, I don't know. That it's just so
1: wild that people still think that way. Oh my God. Yeah, I
2: just <laughs> did not know so that was a bad place.
1: for these women who you know before the 80s and I'm sure after Mormon women in their marriages it's like god what a horrible sex life for them (laughs) out there
0: oh yeah I just
2: I just in my mind I was like it's just because your wife doesn't give you (laughs) blowjobs
1: like yeah you're just because you're not
2: getting blowjobs and so you're telling all of these people in the singles ward that it's unnatural (laughs) (laughs) You hit it on the
0: head, yep.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And so when he said that, my face like was so contorted and I was like, it's unnatural, really. I was like, it's just kissing on another part of the body. And he was like, No, it's not. It's much more serious than that.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. And,
2: And and then and then I took it a step further because at this point I'm heated and I'm like you know, when I feel like I know something, I will go head to head with someone in a conversation, in a debate. And so at this point, I was like, but what if we were married? And he was like, <laughs> but it's fine. And <gasps> I lost it. I lost it. I was like, you can't say that it's wrong and unnatural until you're married. And then all of a sudden, it's okay. And we're just supposed to be like, oh, now it's fine. No,
1: right.
2: no. Yeah. No, that doesn't fly. <laughs> Yeah, I was not happy. I was just like, this is so backwards. And I was sad. And then he was like, I think you just need to pray more. I think you're just not really spiritual enough right oh now. God. And so I left there crying and I called my mom and I was like, Mom, I'm just like not on the right path. The bishop said I'm not spiritual enough. And she was like, he said what? Like he she was so angry. And, but the thing is like at the time I was so brainwashed and so gaslighted because of this religion that I believed it. Like that's, what's even Mm -hmm. worse that I believed that I wasn't good enough. And that I was just like the biggest sinner. And I remember telling my brother too. And he was like, are you kidding me? Like he laughed and was like, Shalice, you're the most religious spiritual person that I know this is not right. And so then my boyfriend goes in and then, I don't know what they said, but he came out and was like, the bishop thinks it's best if we break up. (gasps) Yeah. So not only am I not worthy because I gave my boyfriend a blowjob, now I'm not worthy of love altogether because I'm not spiritual enough. Oh, my goodness. That that is horrible. And the worst part is my boyfriend actually did break up with me. I mean,
1: I think we got back
2: together like three months later or something, but that didn't last long. But still like, so now I'm just at the lowest of low. I feel so ashamed. I feel unworthy. I feel just like a piece of crap, really. And so at this point, I'm like, this sucks. And I thought, you know, this better be the true church or I'm doing all this for nothing. I'm going through all this pain and suffering for no reason. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do some research because it shouldn't be hard to figure out that this is the true church if it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I go to my hand and dandy computer and start typing up all this stuff and oh my goodness, it just came flooding in. I went down rabbit hole after rabbit hole. I probably spent twelve hours on the computer all through the night till the sun came up, just in complete shock of what I was finding. And at this point, I was open enough and I was willing enough to accept all of those things that even my friend had told me three years ago mm-hmm. because I was ready to hear it. And I was in that, that receptive state where I thought, oh, what if this is true, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and so that's when I, I came across, like, the multiple versions of the first vision. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, that's not something you mess up. I was not mm. okay with that, and it, it's not even like the church uses the first version or the last version; they use like a middle version. <laughs> exactly. And so, like,
1: who, who yep. decided this is the one they were gonna they were gonna use? <laughs> and the fact that they you're never taught that in the no, church, never. no, never,
2: no. And then I learned about the Book of Abraham being like a funeral script, and I was like, <laughs> "Yep, I'm done." <laughs> If he made that up,
1: he made everything up. Like there is no way. The Book of Slongs. Isn't that what another one it means? As well? Yeah, because that one of
0: those facsimiles in the book of Abraham has yeah. like the phallic god that has
1: an erection. Right. right. <laughs> it's my favorite one because oh my gosh. Think it's so spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that, it
2: didn't take much. And this was like way before the CES letter. So I really only took like there was probably a few other things. And I remember taking it to the second counselor because the bishop was obviously a big cunt. I was like, yeah, I'm not going back in there. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> yeah, he's terrible. So,
2: so I took it to this other dude who was a lawyer. He was like the coolest guy. Like, I wish he was my uncle type of dude. And I went to his house, he's like, come on over, like, oh, I'll answer any questions you have. And I, I had like a printout because I'm like one of those straight A students that like prints out and highlights <laughs> and tabs and, like, <laughs> and goes above and beyond for a cult. So I, <laughs> I go to his house and I was like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And he just like listened quietly and smiled like he was very supportive. And then at the end, he was like, you know, I just think that we're not supposed to know the answers to all things. And, you know, some things were just not meant to know. But he said it in a way to where I knew that he already knew, he knew all of that stuff, but he just didn't want to say. Yeah. yeah. I was 100% sure. I was like, this guy is so smart. He already knows all of the weird things about the church, but he's just pretending that it doesn't exist. And he doesn't want to be the one to tell me that it, it's not true you know? Mm -hmm. And so in that moment I was like, okay, that's it. Like I'm done. He, like, he obviously knows, but he's not willing to say, but that's all I need. Like I did the research myself. No one can answer these questions. And I remember even taking them to my mom at some point, she asked her Bishop, no one could give us the answers. And it's funny because that's like one of the things that set my mom on a path to also trying to find the answers for me. And then she started uncovering the same things and started questioning, but she didn't tell me any of that. And so then I get a phone call like a year later because my parents are still in Oregon. I'm still in Vegas. They call me and they're like, Shalice, we have something to tell you. I was like, okay, what is it? Well, we just want to let you know that we've taken off our garments and we're not going to church, but... You want to get married in the temple? We'll do whatever it takes to be there for your oh.
0: wedding. And I was like, oh, Aww. yeah, you're good. <laughs> oh, that's like that's my dream. So sweet, I wish though. Was... Yeah, that is so sweet. That's amazing. Yeah,
2: it was really sweet. And I was just, I kind of laughed. I was like, oh, no problem. Like, we're all set. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So just this whole idea of not being worthy because you're not doing A, B, or C – it just like it weaved its way into my life like we were talking about. And I just realized recently how present that ideal was in my head and how it was really manipulating all of my choices as an adult. And so I just thought it was so important to bring up the fact that we're not worthy because we go to church and we're not worthy because we say nice things to people or whatever. We're worthy because we are human beings, because we just are inherently born that way. And I think if anyone gets anything out of this podcast, it's that you are worthy just because you are, because you're you. And you don't have to do anything to earn it. And even if you mess up, that doesn't mean you're not worthy of love or you're not worthy of, um, you know, happiness. You're yeah. worthy just because you're you. And we all mess up, and
0: that's just part of life. Oh, that was so beautiful. I love that. Thank and, you. you know, bringing that up, like, I – I think I haven't really thought about this too much until you brought it up when we were chatting, but I still think even in my daily life, I struggle with this idea of being worthy and like not doing enough or not being productive or successful enough or whatever. And I do think a lot of that stems back to like having other people, figures of authority, men telling Mm. me that I'm worthy. And this was really great for you to point out for me especially so I can know like when I have those thoughts to let them go and to remind myself that I am worthy. So thank you.
2: Yes yeah. exactly. And I love like Sarah, you have a
1: tattoo of it, right? Oh my God, get out of my head, Shale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we I are best friends. So um yeah exactly. I was just gonna say like both what you and Katie said, which beautifully said, both of you. Um, really profound and powerful and has got me thinking and the wills of, in my brain are just a turn in right now. But I, I think it is a, it's a constant battle that unfortunately members of or ex-members of the Mormon Church and other religions and other experiences, it's something that we have a little bit extra to to work on and reminding ourselves that we are worthy and that we are good enough because we grew up in this religion that we had to have interviews. We had to yearly be told either we're worthy or not. And weekly too, you know, to have the sacrament to pay, you know, are you a worthy tithe payer? Like you're constantly reminded and questioned on your worthiness and dependent on others to tell you that you're worthy. So when you leave the church, And or if you just decide to, you know, to finally be brave enough to be yourself and to be true to yourself, whether that's, you know, just leaving the church or that's actually coming out to the world as someone who you truly are without having this fear of judgment and of cultural pressures or of a religion telling you that you're not worthy to be who you truly are. It's something that you have to constantly remind yourself of. And as cheesy as it is, I literally had to get a tattoo of it and in a spot where it's quite vulnerable for me so that when I am in my most vulnerable state, which is my fine ass being naked, yes. I have to look down and see that and remind myself, like, you are worthy. You are worthy in a physical way. Your body is worthy. You Um, You know, you don't have to constantly convince yourself that you have a a great body that no longer needs to be covered up in any way. You're worthy of love, of happiness, of respect, of truthfulness. All of these things without having a religion or man or society or anyone tell you differently that that worthiness comes from yourself and is something that you control.
2: Mm. Exactly. And I wish we could just erase the word worthy altogether. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because even just the word of being worthy of something, it's like there should, there shouldn't even be that word or that definition, because we just are like, we should just Mm -hmm. be love, we should just be happy, you know, receive love unconditionally. You know, even just the word itself is saying that you have to have something in order to get something, which is crazy. And Also, just the idea, even after I left the church, I was like, okay, well, what's real and what's not, and what's God and what's not, and just trying to navigate that, you still have this kind of idea that you have to be a certain way in order to get to heaven or in order to have salvation or even just find happiness, even if you threw away religion altogether. So when you think about the way that the church handles itself— they don't just say you're worthy if you are a good person or if you don't have sex or we don't drink alcohol, they say you're not worthy if you don't pay tithing. Uh So like that's like a telltale sign that this is kind of a culty thing. Like (laughs) if you don't pay, you're not worthy. So that just means that every other stipulation they have as far as what you have to do to be worthy is completely void because they're, they're connecting worthiness to money even and so when you think about it that way it's like oh yeah i can just throw the rest out the window because if they say i have to be i have to be a tithe payer in order to be worthy then all the rest just is void too <laughs> Yeah yep.
0: for sure i love that take i hadn't really thought about that but yeah it's like
1: you know fuck that I'm not going to <laughs> <I know. laughs> Yeah oh man fuck that i mean if again kind of like what you already said Chalice and KD as well but if If you've made it this far into the episode, which is the end, just if the only thing you take away from this entire hour long episode is you are worthy, then our job is done. Like that's the whole point of, of this episode is to just reiterate and emphasize that you're worthy of everything that you want in life and it comes from yourself and no one else and you are loved. You have a a community here with us, and we will support you. And I'm sure you have other people out there who love and support you too. But again, your worthiness isn't connected or tied to that. It's from yourself. Exactly.
2: And uh, in addition to what the church is trying to say that you can't determine if you're worthy, that's 100% fake and false. You you decide for yourself and, and it's not even a decision to be made because you just are, you know, yeah, there's, you no, just there's nothing to even contemplate. You just are worthy and no one needs to tell you that. Just know
0: for yourself.
2: Exactly.
0: Oh, so um, Shalice, before we go, is there anything that you want to like share with our listeners as far as, do you want to share like your social media or the title of your book or anything you're working on? Or would you rather stay more private? That's cool too, but I thought I'd give you
2: opportunity. (laughs) yeah, thanks. Um, Yeah, I recently started a travel page, which some people might be interested in because it's focused on going to places with like energetic significance or spiritual significance or ancient civilizations. And it's called Sola Spirit Travels. Cool. And um, yeah, so that's been like a really fun thing for me. And then also because just as a Mormon, you never learn about other cultures and things. And so, <laughs> so <true. laughs> it's like really exciting to dive deep into other cultures and practices and just like explore the world. So there's that page. And then my main one is Shalise Ann. Um and I'm sure you'll like type my name so people know how to spell it.
0: Yeah, I'll pop <laughs> um, it up in the show notes.
2: <laughs> yeah, so Shalise Ann and then I'm I am writing a book about this topic actually, about coming out of Mormonism, uncovering sexual abuse and healing through spirituality and energy work and plant medicine. <laughs> so um yeah, my website is chaliseansola.com for that. And I just like put up little blog posts every now and then, like there's one on worthiness that you can read further into. But oh. yeah, thank you guys so much for having me.
0: It's been so fun talking to you both. Oh my yeah, gosh. Of course. It's, yeah, it's our pleasure. So thank you for, yeah, taking time out of your day to tell us your story. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, um, and I'm sure so many listeners will resonate with this. And it's, it's something the world needs to hear. So thank you for taking your time and for sharing such a vulnerable story that, as I mentioned, is going to be so relatable to so many people. So thank you and good luck okay. on your journey. And we're happy to um, to definitely put these in our notes and and help promote your book and, and everything else that you're working on because we think it's a Thank great you. um yeah it's a, it's a great platform to further educate people on how destructive the Mormon church is and <laughs> yes. how to heal from it.
0: Yes, yes. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, bye. bye.